The following program is a work of fiction and falsehood that is not meant to be interpreted as actual fact. The views expressed in this program are not necessarily those of the broadcaster or the management thereof. This program deals with morbid themes and grotesque humor. Listener discretion is advised. I'm glad you're here. I'm media disruption developer Kai Hubris, and this is EurekaCast, now where science meets technology meets you. With me, as always, is Professor Rowan Meadowlark from the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Sciences. Hey there, Rowan. Hello, Kai, and here's to an embarrassment of intellectual riches on tonight's program. An embarrassment indeed. We a have, cornucopia, perhaps. Perhaps. That is a very good point. It is the, the festival season, as you will. If you split up the days into festival into festival seasons and, and growth seasons, as you may, I don't exactly know how perhaps you, Rowan, separate a year, but, uh, but I would consider now a very festive season. We just held, a, we just held a, a, what some many have celebrated as Thanksgiving a, a couple days ago. Well, some of us, yes. I did not celebrate Thanksgiving as such. Right. I'm assuming you yourself did not either. No, no yes. It's Thanksgiving is... is is it's a problematic holiday in many different ways. Um, however, the sentiment of of celebration is something that I think we all share, even in the scientific and technology technological communities. And that's why here at Tech Brothers, we celebrated a labs giving as we do every single year. However, this year, uh, you know, due to safety precautions, uh, uh due to the uh, the newer normal in which we live, we had to celebrate it slightly differently using a one of honestly one of my favorite technologies to come out of uh, to come out of the communications lab at Tech Brothers and that is Ronde. Well, and and what you're sort of hinting at in terms of is avoiding physical gatherings due to the the ongoing pandemic, correct? Yes, yes, of, of course. As as I as I believe, hopefully, everybody uh, the listener will know. Um, you know that although we have moved past a lot of the hardships of the pandemic we are truly in a newer normal uh it's still not it's it's still not a great idea to gather in large groups which is why services like ronde uh without started. the proper precautions of course well, i mean yes but but you know period i think it's it's not a great well, no, no, suggestion comma a period well, Rowan, this is a this is a, a discussion for maybe a later time. I, but really, I'd like to talk about. Hopefully, I, I, although many many health and governmental organizations are asking not to gather at all, I, I will say that uh, the the labs giving that we held on Ronde was a spectacular event. Um, and honestly, I can't even imagine doing a labs giving any other way. Uh, so. Every single year we do this, but virtu virtually it was it was probably better than it's ever been. Uh, we were able to play some some 
some encoding games and 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 message uh, uh, message riddles uh, that were available through the app. Uh, we were able to uh, to get some work done because all our all the labs friends were there. People from the robotics laboratories, people from New Media's laboratories, uh, people from the health and safety laboratories. You, you took this opportunity to celebrate a holiday to do more work. Uh, we well, yeah, we were celebrating. We're doing celebratory work. I mean, I I think anytime that I'm able to do work with people in a free and open environment. That's a celebration enough. Were you getting paid for that? <laughs> Rowan, I don't get paid to have fun. Anyway, uh, during this time, we also uh, we had an opportunity to break out into Shadow Dens in Ronde, uh, a feature that, that Ronde comes with. Um, and we discussed, we were able to have some really deep cultural discussions about the contributions of Native Americans to AI and then, of course, the food. Well, what is uh, Thanksgiving, Labsgiving, whatever you will call it? What is it without the food? Yeah, exactly. And that's why. And that's why Tech Brothers it, it provides us every single year. All they though they weren't able to do it in person, they had specialized drones send every single person their usual uh, array of, of protein bars and pre-made energy dinners and a variety of, of flavors. Um, truly wonderful. And of course, the craft brews. But well, what would it be without craft brews? Exactly. That's what that's what I'm saying. Um, but I decided to go. Yeah, I, I am feeling very, very festive. It's a new experience. It's a new medium. I decided to try out uh, something that the Algo Labs has been working out. It's a nice algorithm. Um, I decided to join their Turkey Club. Oh, and what is that exactly? So the Turkey Club is an interlab program developed by Algo Labs, which uses some significant uh, uh, complex algorithms to decide, make, and ship each person within the turkey club their optimal festive sandwich. And what was your optimal festive sandwich, if you don't mind me asking? Mm. There, was a, there was a nice white bread. I'm talking sourdough. Oh, wow. Inside, there's some greens in there. Mm -hmm. Don't exactly know what kind, but there was a green in there. And I do like things that taste green. And then, of course, there's a nice thick layer of what I presume to be bison meat. Oh. Now, I've never had bison meat, but I can tell you, it tasted better than, better than ground beef would. Well, uh, I suppose that could be bison, yes. And, of course, a nice, uh, a nice Russian dressing there, too. Well, that's... That sounds like quite a unique sandwich. And you said it was algorithmically generated based on your inputs? Or? Yes, based on my inputs, based on my uh, my flavor sensors. I put my tongue on a, on, on a stick that was sent to the machines that they have there, and it, and it reverse calculated my salivatory glands. It's truly some complex stuff. I can't wait. I know this is an in-house thing. It's sort of only some stuff that people that work at Tech Brothers uh, uh, do. But honestly, if this if this went public... I think many people would be interested in this. Well, that certainly does sound quite interesting, I have to admit. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that you got some time off, sort of. Um, Definitely. You seem to work quite a bit. But yes, we, we also celebrated, um, had our own little harvest festival over at the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science. I, I, can, I can imagine. I mean, while I was celebrating my... My my giving my labs giving I, I, w I was I was thinking you know what what is going over 
What's going on over there at, at, at the Institute of Spirit Science? Well, it's 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 uh, it's hard to put a name to it specifically because there's a lot of contention among the faculty about the name and the concept of this holiday. Sure, Thanksgiving, as you said, is very problematic, and and it, there's a lot of p- issues inherent with it. And so amongst the staff, there's a whole variety of opinions and names. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, Blamesgiving, the National sure. Day of Mourning. A diversity of ideologies. Absolutely. Uh, but at the end of the day, we all want the day off. <laughs> we all want to spend some time and get some food. So Simon Amy came uh, himself came up with the notion of creating Harvest Knocked. Hmm. And that takes place during the federally mandated day called thanksgiving but it's not called thanksgiving no and it's not quite thanksgiving Mm -hmm. but much like in a a, a thanksgiving manner we do have a potluck and we had a little potluck among those of us in the staff that we felt were um at less risk for negative outcomes through our various preparations which i'll touch on yeah so this was a this was a social gathering that you attended yes in the great hall of the simon amy institute for spirit science next to the yards campus how how many how many people would you say attended this about uh two or three dozen i mean that a lot smaller than i would have imagined i'd say but i still probably not Great. Most of the student, uh, the students are no longer allowed at the institute for safety reasons. Sure. Most of the faculty is also been telecommuting, but there's a core group of us that actually does the great deal of research there that that has been staying and sort of manning the ship, as it were. Sure. And that was an opportunity for all of us to get together and enjoy ourselves and celebrate Harvest Knocked. So yeah, we had this wonderful spread. You know, everyone has these sort of different dietary restrictions over there. There's a, right. a, a divert, not just a diversity of ideologies, but a diversity of palates. Thank you. Palates. Yes. So, but they were all delicious. There was the lentil loaf turkey, mm. um, which inside of was a fully keto stuffing, which if to be, to be fair, was essentially the innards of a turkey placed inside of the lentil loaf. Really? Uh, so, so it's a, it's a, it's a bean, it's, it's a produce based, a uh, loaf that is stuffed with, with meat. Right. And that's to, to give the, both the vegans and the keto dieters at the staff, give them both something they can enjoy. Sure. It does seem to cancel for one to cancel the other out, though, don't you think? Oh, you know, there's there's gradations and what have you. Um, I'm, sure. It, it, they worked out. There was no bad blood. Mm-hmm. It's all coming from the same place. Keto, vegan, yeah. vegetarianism, breathinarianism, pectitarianism, sure. fruitarianism. And I mean, the, there, there's something there for the freegans, at least. Oh, <laughs> what would... A universe, what would an institute be if it did not have free food, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we also had a raw food pumpkin pie, uh, and that, that basically being raw chunks of pumpkin laid in a bowl of flour. And it sounds bizarre. It sounds, sounds not how very appetizing. That, how is that even a pie at that point? Well, it's the ingredients of a pie, but raw. It's like a deconstructed pie. I feel like it's, it would be more like a, of a mush at that point. It, it's more lightly dusted pumpkin chunks, but it is raw food, and it was it was not. Um, I would not necessarily make it for myself, but it was quite good. Mm. We also had some mashed lotus root with a fermented fish gravy, sort of a pay, paying homage to the non-Western traditions. 
we have some a couple of non-Western colleagues sure. at the Institute of Spirit Science. Mm-hmm. All, all of them who appreciate this edition in particular. Um, not necessarily all of them, but it was it was a one little way one one little way to sort of to sort of throw them a bone sure. or a thought, fermented fish in this case. Um, we also had some cranberry sauce. Okay. Yeah. And, standard and and um for the breathitarians um they have very very specific dietary needs but luckily we had a high lumen sun lamp and a canister of himalayan air brought in just for them to get their their nutritional sort of supplements over so, this so bre- these are these are people that that exclusively breathe for nutrition and stare into the sun yes i see it's a very very compelling field of research coming out of there um, Certainly. And, and to, to your earlier point where you sort of almost, I feel very snidely implied that we are putting people at risk by having this event. I, I think that's the common belief. Well, uh, well, perhaps for the common people, but we, uh, we have safety was first and foremost mm-hmm. on our mind. We had antiseptic incense burning the entire time. The Great Hall itself is a Faraday cage preventing any sort of RF interference, um, entity interference. And, of course, the food was cooked with 100% antiviral herbs and spices. We're talking things about things like turmeric and sage and... What make these What make these ant- antiviral? Um, have you ever put turmeric on a virus? Me personally, if you had, not with intention. If you had, you would know that there is. It is one of the the most potent virucidal agents known to both Western, Eastern, and world and spiritual science. I see. Well, uh, Rowan, were you at least wearing masks or, or face coverings of any kind not 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 necessarily there was a point in the evening um after the meal where um as is we spend with every harvest knocked we all undressed and got oiled up yeah wait um excuse me wait wait the... okay i i think i get the point uh there rowan. were masks involved at that point in the evening okay yeah that's that's great um well thank you for that rowan Oh, you're very welcome. Um, I, I'd say perhaps that's a, it's a, a eureka moment in itself. I'm certainly surprised. Um, but I do think that we should get into at least one uh, segment uh, this week, one, one novel, uh, as this show is, celebrating technology and science and much of it being applied. I do want to bring up a new segment that we haven't actually done yet. And that is, I want to bring up a segment that is called Eureka Preneur. Oh, Okay. So this Eureka Preneur segment is possibly something that you've heard of. Rowan, have you heard of the uh, of the disruptive uh, the disruptive sharing food sharing uh, company Left Forward? I I have heard bits and pieces about it. Uh, there's a certain amount of I I could you could say outrage among some of the uh, some of the circles I run in with regards to this program. The, I'm sure. I mean, if it's a disrupt, if it's truly a disruptive organization, there is going to be some some outcry. Right, and they're just anarchists. No one pays attention to them anyway. Uh, I mean, or take them seriously. Good, good to hear from, from inside of from inside. At least, I certainly don't. Good to hear from inside disruptive circles, though. I do. Uh, Left Forward is something that we've been keeping our eyes very closely on. It's something that we're very interested in because of where it came and and how quickly it sort of grew on. As some background for anybody that doesn't know, uh, Left Forward is a food-sharing app uh, that was uh, created to, quote, spread the joy of food uh, while preventing and diverting food waste 
providing affordable food to anyone, anywhere they want or need it. Now, food sharing, this isn't the first time that a, a uh, an application has come forward with this concept, correct? Y- yes. Uh, their food sharing and meal sharing apps are, are nothing new, but left forward uh, due to a co- combination of factors such as their strong ethos, uh, their quality assurance tools, built-in retention features, a scalability verification, and catalyzing environment, uh, and, and the catalyzing environment that we live in, I should say, uh, that being the Mallow 21 pandemic, uh, they have really caught on and become what the the pinnacle of, of what this of what this kind of a service can be, um, and and I mean realistically it makes perfect sense. I mean think of all those families making large intricate dinners uh, and and used to cooking for large gatherings, families, uh, friends, things like that. Um, I mean for many of these people, cooking is a hobby or a passion, um, and they take great joy in cooking and spreading the joy of their food and 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 as they should there is something so wholly wonderful about being able to share your craft and your your um it's not a liquid poetry it's more of a chewable poetry but it is poetry mm-hmm. nonetheless certainly and it should be shared yeah um however due to social social distancing guidelines um they're unable to share that food they can't meet in person they, uh, it, it shipping is inefficient. I mean, it, it, there's really no, no way around it until now. Uh, so ju- it started in beta last week. Uh, it's, it quickly moved up, um, to, uh, this Sunday, last Sunday, uh, to being released to the general public. And within the first 24 hours of launch, the app already had 50 million users across seven countries incredible truly truly uh, uh truly surprising um and i mean the reason for that is is let me just go through the process how somebody that is using this app experiences it um this is how it works so a server uh conducts a quality assurance safety and nutrition check um via the app on the food that they are planning to serve uh the app then quickly develops and provides pricing schemes for the server uh the food service uh also provides a food service timeline for them and uh, provides certain equal access incentive programs uh, to make sure that the food is being served in a way that is most beneficial. Again, there we're seeing that strong ethos and that and that uh, that that sense of optimization going on. Uh, so that's the server side. From the patron side, all they have to do is log on and search for a meal um, by either availability and distance from them, or by a category such as dietary restrictions, ingredients, or 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 type of meal. The app then automatically matches patrons and servers, and when the food is finally ready, uh, left forward drones travel to the server with their Freshology bags uh, and safely complete the transaction between server and uh, and patron. Now, just to clarify, there is a distinction here between a more traditional food delivery app in the sense that these meals are not necessarily made immediately for the specific patron being ordered but rather there is a there's another element to it am i am i wrong in that yes yes uh there's the the idea is that the server puts in the food that they are making or plan on making um it's something that that you know while you're making it you can be scanning barcodes and putting in uh, putting in ingredients, you know, to make sure it has all those updated features, uh, has all the information. And as you're making it, 
uh, people just sort of uh, uh, match you up with how how much food you plan on having and how much food you plan on plan on being left over based on again optimization algorithms. And and that and and what you're saying is is that the extra food add that after. Um, subtracting for the portions that the server has made, the remaining portions are then divvied up. Is that my understanding? Uh, yes, precisely. And and depending on the this kind of server, of course, uh, that can be you know uh, different. Some people eat more than others. Some people may have one bite of their delicious lasagna and decide, you know, I want to give the rest of it away uh, via via left forward. So, uh, as I said, during that first 24 hours, 50 million people across seven countries. Um, during the first week, so that's the week prior to Thanksgiving, uh, we had some great deliveries of, you know, half of ha uh, remaining soup, half of sandwiches, uh, containers full of, of pasta dishes. All of them were delivered. Some are calling the, uh, the, the, the Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday after, after launch uh, the brunch heard around the world. The world. That, and that's and that's wild because um, as you touched on earlier, these are all bits of meals that would normally get thrown away, would get completely just it would go to the trash. But instead, it can go to these patrons right. who who not only get to have the food but get to pay for the privilege of it. Yeah, exactly. And and what's even better is because this is a leftover food, uh, over half of the available meals are less than ten dollars. So it's sort of something that the person giving of the way the way the food gets a bit a bit of money they would have lost, um, having just thrown it away, and it's it's a cheap affordable meal for anybody that wants wants it. Um, yeah, so the prices began to be even more and more efficient as time went on. We saw dramatic changes to the food industry around it, proving that it is truly a disruptive industry. Restaurants uh, uh, started uh, uh, closing. Uh, stores started selling out of, of common ingredients. It, it truly was. We're seeing things commonly associated with disruptive industries. And that's why uh, uh, disruptive analysts were really impressed by by this. Uh, and that's this how you know it's good. The, 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 wide, the bigger the disruption, the bigger the technology. That's a, that's a, comp, that's a, that's a, that's a day one stuff. Exactly. Uh, and then, of course, brought us to Thanksgiving. Which we have just moved past as this show has being recorded and aired. Yeah. Um, so uh, Thanksgiving was a huge turning point, uh, owing to what we saw in many stores, which is the lack of availability of many of the Thanksgiving staples, right? So you have all of these patrons who would like to have a Thanksgiving dinner, but unfortunately, all of these stores seem to be selling out of all their common, the, the common, you know, Thanksgiving uh, accoutrement and foods and, and things like that. Which, to be fair, in the run-up to Thanksgiving is not uncommon and not unheard of. Yeah, sure. Um, so Thanksgiving, let's, let's, let's hear some some statistics, some data. The earliest Thanksgiving meal was matched um, at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time between a patron and server in North Carolina. This feature, uh, this meal featured three slices of turkey, gravy, and mashed potatoes, and a side of mash, uh, mac and cheese, sold for ninety dollars. Well, that's quite reasonable. Certainly. Uh, by about noon, the average price of a comparable meal was nearly three hundred dollars. Well, that's the market. Yeah, that's just the market. It's supply and demand. Now I know they, those do sound kind of hefty, but I mean, it still, uh, left, uh, le left forward did boast a seventy uh, percent. Uh, did boast that seventy percent of of, of uh, transactions made over the app were small, affordable items under ten dollars. Um, these are things like so. Here's some popular items. Uh, three and a half overripe bananas, 
bagel with side of Italian dressing, and two handfuls of beans. Well, you could, you, with that right there, you could make your own sort of vegan uh, Thanksgiving yeah. dinner. For only $30. Um, and then a whopping 20% of, of, of that even went lower than $2 itself. And, and these included uh, items like some Cheetos, end of bread, spinach, comma, expired, but looks pretty good. These are all very commonly bought items. $2 for some Cheetos. That's a steal. It certainly is. And on top of this, uh, thanks to Left Forward's uh, humanitarian investment algorithms, many individuals in need of, of food during these times, many individuals that might have gone hungry, um, received some of these uh, edible foods, uh, like some Cheetos, for pennies. Well, that's... Uh, well, clearly they're taking the loss on that one, so good for them. Yes, I mean, certainly. But, I mean, if it, with a disruptive company, sometimes you got to take the loss to, to really uh, gain your, your step in an industry. Um, and then finally, according to a press release, Left Forward has already reduced, um, just by the end of this week, uh, food waste by almost 20,000 tons. Just in the first week. Just in the first week. Incredible. Incredible. It truly is. And, and, and you know, speaking earlier to some of these groups that I run in, sort, sort of these, these partisan groups that I, they have some interesting points now and then, but I, you see a lot of just guff, a lot of people flapping their lips. With regards to this, there was mm. all of this, this, oh, well, oh, soup kitchens, oh, oh, why don't, you know, just make some sandwiches and hand them out, bring them to the people out there. Sure. And, and to that, to that, it's, it's, that's not disruptive. In it's a good way. Not it's not disruptive in a good technological way. No. That's just disruptive to in a bad way. Sure. Uh, you know, you, you're giving these out to people without you're you are taking the middleman out of the process. Right. By simply giving these homeless hungry people sandwiches. And that's yeah, disrupting society. I that's mean, disrupting the day to day flow in the way that that is under clearly understood. Right. And I, and I, I can tell you that uh, one thing it's certainly not is uh, it's not optimized. They have algorithms in here to optimize the system. And and two, what we're doing here is by creating apps and systems that do this for us. We are creating systematic change. Well, and, 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 and that's if you were to believe what these people say, that is what they want. But clearly they're, they're, they're just loon loonies. They're loonies. They're anarchists. No one pays attention to them anyway. Sure. So as I said, uh, this is a technology um, that we're that we're keeping a close eye on. We think it's going to be a game changer. We we encourage everybody that's listening to, if you're interested in disruptive technologies, uh, 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 keep keep a lookout for for Left Forward. Well, that is a very interesting story. Sure. Uh, dare I say, it, perhaps even a little bit of an inspiring story. I mean, it, it truly is. But, uh, there's nothing more inspiring than disruption. But but now it is. We are at the mid show point, so mm -hmm. I would like to lead us in a mid show meditation. Kai, would you like to join? Uh, of course, always. So, listener, you're cruising down Highway 1. The echoes from the gunshots still in your head. You're still not sure what just happened, but you've got the money, you've got the car, and the world of hurt coming your way is 120 miles back. It's dark on the coast at this time of night, but the street right lights reflect off the hood of the porch as brightly as the city you just left behind. You take a drag from your cigarette and look at your hands, still covered in blood and dripping on the white leather upholstery. You feel your heart begin to swell, a sense of calm after the storm. Then the red and blue lights flash in your rearview mirror, 
looks like you're not out of it yet. And we are back. We are back. Welcome back, everybody. I think it's time to move on to... We talked about this, Rowan, and it, there it, we have we have a uh, a an obligation to uh, spread science and technology and, and general health information. Um, and unfortunately, during uh, at Rowan, as you brought up, uh, you hosted an in person event. Lots of people in the Chicago land area ha- hosted small in person gatherings. Um, and and what we found from contact tracing simulations con- uh, conducted in conjunction with the Chicago Body Project. Um, we're seeing transmission quotients and infection rates uh, increasing with a plus four activity metric. And it's only so it's startling, too, because many of those gatherings did not even take the base level precautions that I did, such as the antiseptic incense and the full body condoms that we wore. You know, there's there's there would have been so many more opportunities for infection if we had not been so careful during our you know proceedings uh sure and and many of many of these organizations uh these uh these events i see, I see people going masks. out without without dental dams even in their thanksgiving and it's just it's it's disturbing it frankly is rather disturbing it, it is disturbing uh lack of face coverings and things like that um however even even if you are wearing a face covering uh we do foresee uh chicago num uh, the number of uh forecasted infections in chicago um to in, increase dramatically in the next month, and this is nobody's problem, nobody's a fault in specific. It's a it's a communal it's a communal activity. In fact, we have reason to believe that at least thirty to sixty percent of Chicagoans, whether or not they have even ever been to a so have even attended a social gathering um, during these past few months, um, are at risk of contracting some form of of Malo twenty one. It's really very tragic. Well, in Jepson's fever, that's the thing. It's so unpredictable and it spreads so easily that it's not even an issue of asymptomatic carriers. It's uh, uninfected carriers are capable of wafting the Jepson's particle up into the air off of their clothes, off of a belch, off off of, you know, various lickings and suckings. It's it's it could it could very easily happen. Yeah, there could be a virus. Uh, there, look to your left and look to your right. There are probably many viruses there that you need to be very careful uh, about breathing in. Well, not to my left or my right. Sure, I've got the incense. So, burning. so Rowan and I have decided to uh, to come up with a, a few a few projects to keep to keep you productive and to make a to make your time in the uh, the isolation that is being requested of everybody in chicago not enforced of course but requested asked uh, uh uh the the isolation that 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 would necessarily help us uh be safer no matter if we've even been to a social gathering um you know to keep us productive during those times right and and it's worth mentioning now that we are excluding sort of obvious things uh if you have a book to read read that book sure maybe read it twice yeah if, I mean, it's, you you learn so much from a book if you happen to be in a situation where you have access to your bathroom um a a, a private bathroom with a bathtub sensory deprivation is a wonderful thing to be doing with your time uh, perhaps even the whole time but if you have an oxygen tank experiment with your body 
there there's so many things so many obvious things that could right. be done but this this is not for those people that have these things to do or perhaps even individuals who do but have already done this to death in right. the the numerous other yeah. uh, stay we've, at home we've orders we've all you know made we've all made a loaf we've all you know learned croquet We've all fa- tried and failed to learn a second language. Um, we've, right. We've uh, we've all tried and failed to make kombucha. Well, not all of us. I have not failed. I've excelled. But that's besides the point. We've all attempted woodworking. But but let's putting all of that aside. These mm-hmm. I think perhaps it's to say these are some underlooked, under overlooked, underutilized ways to spend your time yes. in lockdown. So um, with that in mind. I'm going to start off with the first thing I want to talk about, which is Spessa Minor. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's an online search engine for studies, research studies that you can be a part of at home. Right. So this, these are great ways to while away the hours while actually helping the body of knowledge as a whole and maybe even making a few extra bucks. Um, essentially what you do is, is you, you fill out a small form with regards to your, your, your body, your, you know, your height, your weight, your ethnicity, um, Sm- as, smoking habits, health habits. Uh, yes. Uh, as well as other factors such as, um, amount of times that it previously you would go to the store or watch TV, you know, sure. um, behavioral things, mm-hmm. what it, you've thought about. It's a whole plethora of things. But once you fill that out. It is a search engine, and what it will do is it will match those to a wide swath of research institutions looking to study you, to yes. make you a part of their ongoing uh, investigations. Right. It, it connects you directly to the to the people that would spend uh, hundreds or thousands of dollars advertising their uh, their 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 study that they're putting on, their experiment that they're conducting. Uh, it puts you directly in contact with them. Right, and these are all reputable, uh, reputable institutions, universities, call, uh, brands as well, sure. corporations, yeah, churches, exactly. Um, and and the really cool part I think is is once you get this swath of of, of results, this list of results, you can not only go through those as a, in terms of how applicable they are to you, but you can change the ranking based on things like the amount of money they'll give you, uh, the invasiveness of the study, and I, what I thought was very interesting is the actual statistical significance of your data. You get your, in this case, your personalized p-value. That's what the p stands wow. for. Um, it, it's really quite interesting. Your personalized value, yes. So, what, I, I mean, and and... It, it it truly is amazing. I've heard some great I've heard some great stories of of, of uh, honestly friends of mine who have who've gone through this service during their isolation and have uh, and have honestly made a pretty a pretty good side hustle out of it. Of course, of course. Well, I mean, in in the newer normal, data is the dollar, right? D for D. Yeah, and it and it truly is it truly is uh, equalizing because we all have data to give. And if anything, I think it, it, it sort of uh, helps tips balance a little bit because unlike most of society, when you're doing – when you are participating as a, as a specimen, your novelty, how unique you are, is actually co- directly correlated with your value um, as opposed to – unfortunately society, generally speaking. Yeah, I mean, yeah, certainly. So I, I thought it would be fun just to give – 
the listener of an idea of what sort of results one might get. I put my own info in really? to the website. I did. So here are a few of the investigative reporting. Here are the few of the top results. Um, very interesting uh, uh, sort of studies that have been once again personalized for me and what institutions feel I would be most helpful with. We've got pattern spotting for application in military camouflage. Um, next one down: mood responses to placement of soft drink branding in war photojournalism. Another one down: at home psychedelic induced psychosis behavior study. And this one's actually quite interesting. This is something I didn't bring up. Some of these studies, if you participate, they send you free stuff. You get free stuff out what, of it. What kind, what kind of free stuff did you get? Well, in, in this particular study, it looks as though I'd be sent a number of uh, of, of compounds of some sort to take. Um, mm. I'm not sure which compounds. I think that might disturb the results of the... Uh, sure. You don't always necessarily know what you're getting, but you do know what you're providing, which is valuable right. scientific I mean, data. I mean, that's what it's double-blinded. That's what makes the scientific research actually applicable. Yeah. And uh, I, I would say some things that you're missing with some of these studies, I mean, the organizations putting them out, some of them will even, if you if you are, for example, somebody who is pursuing a, a, a career in science, this is a helpful, uh, this is a helpful uh, service for you. Some of them, uh, some of these, these organizations will even allow your personal name to be in the study if you give them enough data. Uh, so if you're looking for some, uh, some publishing rights, it's possible to get your name on the study for providing uh, such great data. In, in that way, it's almost like a social media website where where you you are an influencer, but in a good way. You're an influencer of of results, right? You know, a true influencer, right? It, it's democratizing the the actual science that's going on, which is exactly what being a citizen scientist is all about. There there is a, one more way, and I think this is a, you didn't even mention this, but this is one of the my favorite things about. Uh, uh, about this this service and, and that is uh for just a small fee you yourself can upgrade your your uh you, you can upgrade your uh speciminer uh, profile to speciminer phd and those are for those that would like to take their health into their own hands the hackers at heart if you will um so with this service uh what you're what you would able you were given is uh exclusive access to a collection of tools to help you create your own studies to study your own health and immunity. Which is, of course, a major thing that people are looking for towards now with the pandemic as it is. And honestly, something that, that we at the, the Spirit Science Institute have also been a fair, fair proponent of, which is to say, don't just let others in the ivory castles of ivory towers of academia tell you what is effective and what's not effective when mm -hmm. you you can be in those ivory towers of your own creation yeah when you make a point to an individual um in a discussion or a debate or an argument about uh the the, the issues facing you in terms of the pandemic and health and what have you you can reference studies actual studies and the reason that you can reference them and they will support your argument is because you did the research yourself they're your studies to quote and to to use in your discussions yeah uh, it truly it's and empowering it's it, absolutely empowering it truly is empowering and for those that feel like standard channels for getting uh you know uh, uh drugs medications uh, uh uh techniques for you know helping yourself with in in the in the 
course of this pandemic, for those that are impatient about how how fast uh, studies are being made and results are, are actually being uh, being produced in uh, you know immunity and immunity research, we invite you to they invite you to create your own studies. Maybe you are the missing link. Maybe you, citizen scientists, are capable of doing the research that brings you yourself immunity. It's taking your health into your own hands, which is truly, truly empowering. Disruptive, empowering, groundbreaking, and a wonderful use of your mandated time alone at home. Right. Um, the next big one, um, I'm going to say, this is going to be a rather short one, because I think we all, you mentioned learning a second language, right? Of course. We, we've all tried and failed. And I think this is uh, for everybody that isn't maybe a coder at heart who is learning a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth uh, coding language, a uh, computer programming language. I've certainly learned quite a few in my uh, time at, in, in isolation. Although uh, I've been sort of busy through most of that time, I still found some time to separate and, and learn a few of the a few interesting languages. Continuing education. Exactly. We're, we're, always, we're always continuing our own education. Um, however, this service is called Coding the Classics, and it is a uh, a, a learning uh, code learning language uh, educational tool um, that is uh, that is directed towards those who think of themselves more as as, as uh, humanities uh, uh, adjacent people rather than tech adjacent people. Well, and that's and that's absolutely fair because. E e e you look at many of the individuals out in the sort of the the coding universe, the technology universe, and if you were to talk to any of these individuals and ask them uh, their inspirations and what what they do in their off time, they might very well mention things like Shakespeare, like Moby Dick, mm -hmm. um, various other Moliere, perhaps sure. other you know classical right. sort of thinking. Yeah, but if you uh, were to Rene go, Descartes, if you were to go the opposite direction, though, and you were to ask a um a philosophy major or perhaps yeah. some sort somebody of somebody studying the classics yeah and ask them what inspired them you'd get not you'd get the same answers but you would expect and you would hope for them to be able to list things like github and um john mcafee and you know the writings of right. of, of of sort of the other end of the spectrum so those are the people that are most right. need to engage with the well, these harder sciences these 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 you know these actually useful sort of things that you can do with your time yeah, I, I, I truly um so like as you just said in in a great in a great summary uh coding is a powerful tool but those in the humanities are either unwilling or for some reason incapable of of learning to adopt this tool that will necessarily make their lives better um, so what what they developed at Coding the Classics, um, which is a it is a program called uh, in, invented and produced by uh, Codingi Studios, um, is uh, they're developing new coding languages and new coding uh, educational programs um, that allow that that really work with the mind of a of a of a humanitarian student, right? And that's things like uh, like an emphasis on narrative while coding, something that. Perhaps somebody that is that is more akin to uh, to reading, um, not necessarily to the logical thinking of code, um, would be more more efficient with would be more uh, uh, supported by things like uh, things like uh, s fluid syntaxes for those that uh, that maybe are more into poetry, you know, more of a, a creative emphasis on on syntax rather than the actual the actual uh, narrative, um, and and for some 
there are, is code that emphasizes uh, the inclusion of lots of pictures and colors. I imagine too that the actual in the in the um, the compiler, I forget the exact term for it, but the the actual area in which you're inputting the code, I imagine the text is much larger as well. Um, perhaps right. in as well as a, maybe perhaps a comic sans for these, you know, because you don't want to confuse the mind of a humanities student or as someone who is a scholar of humanities. Um, they're already going in so confused. What, right. what, what is, what is Boolean? Right. What is, what is one and zero? What do they mean? Where is the adjectives in this? So you don't want to confuse them. I've actually looked at some of this. So it, it's, it's wonderful. It's right. wonderful what they're doing to, to sort of provide a special coding education to these very special individuals right when you're talking specifically about the uh the text editor and the compiler they they provide a really great one that actually when you write your code usually you'd scroll down to see your code these compilers they include features where you actually have to turn a page to get to your next page of code um and then of course the uh the apis and, and the various other uh, the coding language has a large emphasis on the classics, so things that a uh, that somebody in the humanities would be very familiar with. So there's references to Beowulf or Don Quixote or the Hardy Boys, you know, things that uh, things that people in the humanities would be more familiar with and then more willing to engage with the art of coding. Yeah, it, it helps to, I imagine, circumvent the block that many of these individuals have with regards to this sort of more rational logical thinking because they can relate it to say the hardy boys yeah you, they can imagine perhaps um a a, a a syntax error not as a indication that they are dumb and they did this wrong even though that is probably the case um they can imagine it more of as a mystery as a way for them to to something for them to to overcome and think about as if it were um a, a, a loose or a, a cliffhanger yes. in their favorite novel. Exactly, and some of the errors in this specific editor, they really did a great job in this text editor. Um, but you know, instead of saying error at line two, they have you know the nice friendly voice of Sherlock Holmes telling them you know it, the mistake that you made it's elementary, and then and then explaining them very clearly uh, how to actually get to the right answer. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, um, yeah. So uh, that's that's I yeah, think that's coding the classics. I think that's a very interesting one. I have one more that um, I, I feel is maybe m not entirely applicable to every listener, just as perhaps the last one wasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, but this might even be more niche because uh, in terms of uh, this is related to athletics mm -hmm. and physicality. Um, I am not very athletic myself. I find it frankly somewhat. Um, rude to go out and compete in these these feats of athleticism right it's, it's uncouth there are more efficient ways to to make yourself healthy exactly absolutely and, and but but for those who just have that that itch they need to scratch they can't go to the gym they can't play touch football with the boys there is something out there to just to have that and and that is stacks overflow which is ranked cup stacking at home amazing it, it is truly really revolutionary cup stacking is beautiful in the sense that it combines all of the classical elements of com competition sure and and physical fitness yeah. sportsmanship all of these things it's, it requires dexterity it requires quick thinking and it requires a fair degree of strength, especially if you're doing this over and over and sure. over again in a marathon sort of session. Yeah. It's a, it's the, it's the, it's the best esport. It, it, it is now. 
the app itself is a mobile video based application mm-hmm. so what you would do is you would take your phone mm-hmm. um pull up the stacks overflow app and and set the camera front-facing camera towards you and then you'll hear a beep and you stack the cups and you unstack them as one does in a normal stack cupping or excuse me uh, yeah. uh, cup stacking sure. situation cap stu- uh, uh, cup stack cupping is different it's that it's you know it's that the comes football later it's the, the football the soccer yeah, sort of exactly. thing but you do that and then the per- you have been paired up with another person mm-hmm. who does the same you compare the times and then based on a match of 3 you have a fully implemented ELO ranking system to rank your skills against everyone else that is using this app mm-hmm. it, it's 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 it, I, i'm not i this is not something for me i have played around with it just a little bit sure. i did some some cup stacking in my youth i will admit of course, um who, who and just hasn't? Around, but, but it, it the, is the sweet science the ui was very well put together um i'm at silver two right now just really? a few times silver two that's right i thought i would be i thought i would be bronze but silver sure it, it, you, it sounds like you have a knack for it. Maybe, maybe I will. Cut my I will try my hand at this a little bit longer. And yeah, it does sound like it has it has a great uh, uh, it, it has a great uh, uh, method for building your skills. Uh, again, a, gr- a great uh, uh, a great increase of uh, uh, you know. Uh, uh, skill checks and challenges and difficulties and things right and if you're not necessarily you either are not into competition or you do not feel yourself to be at a point where you want to compete with others there is quick play warm-up that's a feature um totally unranked just trying out with some friendly people who are also in quick play sure but there's also phantom race where you will actually compete against yourself in the same cup stacking your old cup stacking records and wow. you can try and increase your record um or, or decrease the time of your record right and from what i hear about these tutorials there there are lots of really great uh training techniques i mean they they offer the uh the user an ability to to have weighted cups to to make their their dexterity a little bit better and their and their flips a little bit uh, uh you know more uh, more strength and, and accuracy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, the I think the most fascinating part, and we are running well on time, but I did want to touch on this. The most fascinating part of this is, is that they use a proprietary augmented reality system which allows any cup-shaped object, roughly cup-shaped object you have around yeah. to be used in place of a regulation cup. It automatically applies handicaps and penalties where needed. And so in this way, if you, for whatever reason, you don't have regulation cup stacking cups in your household, which is frankly kind of beyond the pale of belief, but you can use anything. Use teacups. You can use shot glasses and the, the, the software planters, the software uh, bottle caps, the software itself will, the application itself will modify itself to accommodate for that and so uh uh, stacks overflow for the cup stacking enthusiast stuck at home yeah see these are three really great uh things to try if you haven't heard of them and if you think that you're in line for them but we are running a little low on time so i think it's time that we go over to the citizen science yes and this is a true citizen science in sec in this in the way that it is not offering up a um a theory in and of itself it's just asking a question 
It's right. just asking questions. And that is the root of science, is it not? Is it not the root of no, science? No, science is all about asking, is about asking questions. Right. And so this comes from uh, an, an anonymous individual in a group called Turpentine and Distilled Spirits for Health. Hmm. The question, the citizen science for today, do anyone feel cold after a turpentine enema? This is my fourth day doing one, but second day shivering after pooping. Wow. I think... It's a good question. It is a good question, and it, sh- it, it sounds like there's an experiment being conducted. Right. Right? They, they have a goal. They have a hypothesis. They are willing to put themselves, just like any good scientist, they are willing to put themselves in, in the chair of the person to which the science is being done to. And that's laudable. That is very, very laudable. Really um, based on my own experience with turpentine enemas, um, I will say anyone do feel cold. Myself, I felt cold. Really? At the time, yes. Hmm. Hopefully, hopefully this person was able to get an answer or somehow discern an answer for maybe another experiment. Or, or perhaps there were other more experienced individuals out there, some, some literature as, as you might, as you might even call sure. it. Uh, all right. So I th- it's about time for our, uh, our closing quote. I always close with a quote, uh, by a scientist or a, a technology, uh, person that i am i'm fascinated by yeah i just i thought i thought perhaps i could do the quote i perhaps i thought i could i could do the closing quote Ron, i got this Ray, wonderful Ron, Ron, Ron. i got this wonderful new book it's called the old souls almanac so, it's for empaths it's for introverts and okay. old souls and i consider myself an old soul I, and i, I think, just wasn't expecting i think many of the listeners out there as well would probably consider themselves old souls deep thinkers you know this is wisdom for the wise this is this is this is a way for those who know so much to learn a little bit more. And so uh, I think this quote really emphasizes okay. that. Yeah, go for it, Ron. Um, once again, the Old Souls Almanac. <clears throat> it's not about getting what you want. It's about finding what you need. Uh, Wisdom for the wise. Ron, how is, how is that about science? Usually this quote is a quote by a scientist or a... In regards to technology. Well, it's not directly related to science or technology, but how many great scientists and technicians out there were introverts? And that's what this that, is about. But it's it's not... How a, many of them were old souls? It's not a, about... How many of them were empaths? Eureka Cast Now is meticulously researched, produced, and presented with the support of Tech Brothers, new media labs in Chicago, Illinois. We are rebroadcast every Saturday evening, 8 to 9 p.m. CST on... WLPN LP 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio. If you'd like to get in contact with us, please follow us at EurekaCast on Twitter and Instagram, and visit our website at awcyfm.com slash EurekaCast. I do believe we have some more ways to get in contact with us, Rowan? We do. We have a Facebook at facebook.com slash awcyfm. If you go there, you can find more information on when our shows go live, when our reruns go on our podcast networks, and other content. Uh, Additionally, we have an electronic mail at awcyfm at gmail.com. If you would like, you can share with us any technological, scientific, or spiritual breakthroughs that you've witnessed or participated in. Or if you would like to be a guest or know someone who would like to be a guest on the program, we have a very good lead for next week, but we're always looking for more. Citizen scientists, welcome. Yeah, and that's awcyfm at gmail.com. And with that, Chicago, allow us here at EurekaCast now to close tonight's program with a hearty cheer 
for all of us out there who consider ourselves an old soul. Scientist. 